so sorry for your loss. Thank you. He was a good man. Thank you. Reuben was a hero to all of us. Thank you. Yeah, he'll be missed. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here. We are gathered here today to celebrate the life of Reuben McCormick. He was laid to rest this morning on a bed of coals six feet under, and together we will now raise him in body and spirit for the final funeral feast. Gentlemen, please give me a hand. Reuben's daughter, Jo, whom Reuben fondly called Sloppy Joe, will say a few words. Thank you, Chef, and thank you all for coming today. I know you all cared for Reuben deeply, and he would be proud to see all of you here, bibs and all. <laughs> he, he always liked to joke in the end that he ate for more than himself, but for all of us, and well, just look at that roast. He really gave us all of himself at the end. Amen. He, he always had a good taste in life, and uh, based on that smell, I'm sure that'll be the same in death, too. <laughs> and in true Reuben fashion of selflessness and love, Reuben requested that half of his body be donated to the local food shelter to feed those in greatest need. And to his partner, Wilma, his heart, it was always yours in life, and now it's yours in death. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chef. Uh, well, uh, here, here goes. He's delicious. He's, he's truly delicious. Now, everyone, take your forks to the one and only Reuben McCormick. <laughs> Dig in. Oh my god, this guy is so good. Even better than Chip last week. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to more of these things. Hey, hey, are there any to go boxes here? The world is a weird place, but what if it was even weirder? Join us, the Wonder Women, as we explore the serious answers to your wackiest questions. Questions like, what if the ocean wasn't salty? What if clouds were ice cubes? And what if farts were a harvestable energy source? Each week, we'll wonder what if, and in the process, we'll find out what really is. Hi everyone, welcome to the Wonder Women. I'm Amelia Eathart. And I'm Mother Chorizo. And today our wonder is... What if we ate our dead? Ooh. Oh. 
Cool. This one, I gotta say, I felt like a major creeper doing research I'm on this one. I'm positive the FBI yeah. is gonna show up on my door really and look for all the dead people yeah. in my freezer. But what I was fortunate was that turns out a lot of people have Googled cannibalism before me, so it was comforting to know that Google autofilled my search, but also a little bit unsettling. Uh, the cannibals we live upon yeah. among. The cannibals we live among. Cannibals among us. Uh, yeah, I felt I felt weird researching this one, definitely. Yeah, uh, but it was really interesting. What well, was hard for me is I wanted to go to work and tell everybody about cannibalism and eating people. At, <laughs> eating people <laughs> isn't the most normal work subject. So some of my coworkers were probably a little weirded out. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, well, the good news is cannibalism is pretty common throughout history right so we don't have to feel so weird about it yeah well that's true (laughs) actually it was really i don't know what did you find out i found out that cannibalism extends back as far as a million years that people have been eating each other pretty long time even before we were just one species yeah, I saw that too, that archaeologists look at bones and how, like, different cut marks that are mm-hmm. on them, and some are ritualistic based on, like, having pretty patterns or things oh, carved into them. Okay. Versus, yeah, like, seeing how bones, human bones are cut the same way as animals yeah. that you eat, so, like, with the intention of getting the good bits right. off to or consume. broken and sucked out the marrow, right. sucked out of them. Yeah, Ugh. so... Yeah, let's talk more about then how cannibalism has occurred in its different variations. Sure. So I maybe we could start by I kind of found out there's different typologies of cannibalism that mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily realize when I, we went into this. Um, so different types of cannibalism I saw are survival cannibalism, where you eat because you have to. I think a really famous example of this is the Donner Party. Um, where they were running out of food, they had to eat one another in order to not die. Yeah, or eat as you dead. do. Yes, as you do. <laughs> Actually, another example that I found is the Uruguayan rugby team. Their yeah. plane crashed in 1972. You saw that one mm-hmm. also. And they had to eat the dead of the plane crash in order to survive. So Yeah, so it yeah. happens. You have to survive. Mm-hmm. I suppose I'd rather eat somebody than die. Yeah. Uh, There's also starvation cannibalism, which I thought was interesting that people differentiated between survival cannibalism and and starvation cannibalism. But maybe that's just one article that I read. But an example is the famine in China during the Great Leap Forward when all those millions of millions of people died under Chairman Mao when he made some terrible decisions. They ended up having to eat their dead and eat one another. And so that was a good example of starvation cannibalism. I saw one really interesting article where an anthropologist tried to debunk that notion that the reason we've historically eaten each other has been outside of extreme situations has been for nutritional purposes. Hmm. And so he did this really interesting study where he pulled from different research to break down the nutritional components of a human. Yeah. And compared, you know, compared our protein and our calorie content to different large game that would have been available, i.e. mammoths, muskox, deer, bears. I don't know. Did we eat bears back then? <laughs> Other two types of deer. And actually found that humans are a very relatively low source of nutrition in terms of the calorie content we could provide. So it doesn't actually hold up that we would eat 
people as a viable nutrition source, just given everything else that would be around. Um, we also, there's also medicinal cannibalism, um, which is where you eat a part, different parts of the human body because you think it will give you nutritional benefits. A really common example that's, I think, resurging as I read a lot is about women eating their placentas, uh-huh. <laughs> which technically counts as cannibalism, which yeah. is not a thing that I would have would have realized yeah i found medicinal cannibalism to be pretty interesting because the placenta thing kind of seems like a cool sort of like hip yeah middle income and up thing to do yeah. right now but what if paltrow probably eats other people's placentas probably yeah <laughs> but medicinal cannibalism um has been around for a long time but like lasted through history mm. until pretty recently too mm-hmm. which is was interesting like in uh, especially in Europe during the renaissance period it became really popular for people to use cadavers to for different medicinal oh. purposes yeah so they used like human fat for uh, arthritis and rheumatism oh my gosh mm-hmm. there was some paste that they would make out of corpses for contusions uh, <laughs> and just all sorts of other like tinctures and salves and pills from bones and blood and fat Ew. Uh, yeah and that started during the renaissance period but it lasted you know it wasn't like uncommon even in the early 20th century wow. so that's not even that long ago yeah so it's kind of interesting how we keep coming back to like getting vitality yeah. and life from human body parts that we've let yeah. go of like placentas now. Yeah. So it's weird. I think that also leads into this idea of ritualistic cannibalism in the sense that in a ritualistic in a ritualistic approach to cannibalism, it's not necessarily that you expect some sort of medicinal benefit per se, so much right. as there is that sense of either honoring a loved one who's passed, a way of honoring their spirit or imbibing the power imbibing their spirit yeah and i saw it i saw it split into two groups like eating your enemies versus eating your own people so eating your enemies it's kind of like victory and like the ancient romans would eat drink the blood of gladiators to inherit their vitality well that Uh, worked out so great for them yeah and even through like (laughs) the 1850s in europe people would drink the blood of dead people at public executions 1850s Mm -hmm. that's so recent yeah so there's this eating your enemies thing and then there's also eating like people who are your own where it's a little more i don't know intimate i guess and you're still trying you're still like getting their energy from them but it's i don't know it's weird (laughs) well we shouldn't actually we shouldn't necessarily say weird because i i thought i was really interested to explore if cannibalism has been so common throughout history it's part of our evolution in a sense we've been doing it since we were first becoming people as a species, when and where and why did it really become something that's so taboo? Hmm. Because a lot of other cultures, especially non-Westerners cultures, have have practiced it, have done it throughout history. It's been a really important part of their cultural identity and their practices. So why, what was the switch and when did that happen? Yeah, that's a good question. One idea is, uh, well, a lot of things that become taboo are things that are bad for us in other Mm. ways. And so... I mean, there's there's a lot of good science behind eating things that are more similar to you is more dangerous for you Mm. because um, it's easier to pass on like viruses and bacteria that Mm. thrive in 
some sort of animal that is more similar to you genetically. So if we're eating people, like, well, yeah. that's pretty dangerous. Um, so there are, I don't know if you came across this in your research, but the prion diseases. Yeah, yeah. I saw the prions. So prions are defective proteins that are like bent and misshapen. Um, and they cause other proteins to become the same, and it's in your brain. So one really popular example is the foray people in Papua New Guinea, mm-hmm. and they I saw them. They ate their dead as a funeral ritual to show mourning and respect for the people who they lost. Um, but because of an infectious prion found in human brain tissue, um, there was this sickness spread called kuru. And they, it was also known as the laughing mm-hmm. death, which is kind of sickening. But or the shaking disease is another translation. I saw. Yeah, yeah, because it you eventually lose control of your body and your emotions, mm-hmm. uh, which is a freaky way to die. Well, when I my first question in starting this research, because I thought of mad cow disease, which is mm-hmm. cows eat cows and go yeah. mad. So my first question was, does eating people make you crazy? Mm-hmm. And it turns out it doesn't necessarily make you crazy per se, but it definitely completely destroys your body and your brain. And I saw a lot of comparisons about turning our brain into Swiss cheese in the sense that it just eats so many holes in your brains. It it literally just kind of eats your brain away. Yeah, that's right. If you do an autopsy on these people who have had these diseases, there are actually just holes in their brains. Mm Oh, that's so, so creepy. So that's a really good reason to not eat people. Aside from this prion disease and, you know, your brain, which what could be worse than that? They have been there have been a few studies where they've seen other biological implications of eating people that are negative. So there's a famous French cannibal. I don't know how you can get to be famous as a cannibal without being stopped. I don't know. Anyway, they did an autopsy on him, and his insides were also completely messed up. He had lots of pus. He had ulcers. Ooh, his organs were abnormally large, and mm. so. They linked that to the fact that he was a cannibal. So besides your brain, there's a whole ton of things that happen to your body if you're a consistent, consistently eating people. So Weird. other reasons that I found as to why it became taboo, I think obviously it being bad for us. But one article I saw cited the rise of monotheism. So in Christianity, in Islam, in Judaism, burial rites and the, the sacred nature of the body became much more prominent than necessarily in the religions that came before. And so the fact that your burial rites were suddenly very important, there was a lot of symbolism invested in the spiritual body, that there's this idea of kind of the spirit investing, like inhabiting the flesh, I think reinforced this cultural expectation or this cultural idea that eating the body of another human was suddenly much more egregious than it maybe would have been before the rise of these religions. And so it became very much a, a worldview fueled by the spread of these religions. Yeah. It was very, I think, Western-dominant view. Yeah, but during the Renaissance in the 16th and 17th century, some Protestants even used <coughs> human flesh as a substitute for the Eucharist. No way! Yeah, and some monks uh, made human marmalade from the blood <laughs> of the dead. <laughs> so oh, no! It's kind of this thing that's frowned upon. Is that where blood pudding comes from? Oh, no. (laughs) Gosh, can you imagine being like the person preparing communion? It's like you draw the short straw and you have to cut off your own piece of your own arm for the Eucharist today. It's weird. Oh, today we're eating Brother Gary. (laughs) Oh, gross. Yeah, I couldn't find more details on if they were talking about eating people who were dead or if it was flesh from a live person or why that was okay necessarily. Maybe that's 
uh, follow-up research to do, but it was kind yeah. of weird that even even in Christianity where it yeah. seems like, like you were saying, these monotheistic religions, huh. cannibalism became frowned upon, but there were then these like strange exceptions. Yeah. Um, or, well, I, I wonder know. if a lot of things that I read pointed to the, or alluded to the fact that it became another excuse to call these non-European or non-white tribes of people or indigenous peoples that we found in our, in our sea voyages to accuse them of being savages, accuse them of not being civilized. And so I think this idea of cannibalism just being another means of dehumanizing people and justifying all these horrible acts maybe ties into that, you know, if you're a, a religious white monk, it's totally fine. A European monk, it's completely fine to indulge in the, some cannibalism here and there as part of your religious practices. But if you're not European and we want your land and your resources, then suddenly you're a cannibal and you're a savage. So right. it's definitely part of that that expansionist colonialist narrative. A little bit of hypocrisy going on. <laughs> oh, shocking. <laughs> okay, so we talked about what cannibalism has been, how it's manifested, I have a question for you. Nope. Um, if you had to eat a human, which part would you pick? The butt. The butt. Yeah. Make a nice rump roast out of it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, I think the thigh is a good okay. idea. It has Lots a lot of calories, of calories a lot of fat I saw in there. That. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Did you read that most humans that I guess the consensus among people who eat people is that we taste like pork. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's what it sounds like. A saltier people said, Ooh, uh, saltier version of pork in some cases. Yeah. Uh, so not bad. Um, <laughs> but if you are going to eat a human, there are some parts to avoid like oh. the pituitary gland and things that produce. That would hormones. have been the next yeah. favorite thing I was going to eat. So you want to stay away from pieces that. like that. Why? Um, well, because they're full of hormones and things that can oh. get integrated into your body. Yeah. Oh. So. Can you imagine like the next superhero is instead of Spider-Man being bitten by a radioactive <laughs> spider, he's Cannibal Man and ate a pituitary gland. And oh, wow. Some weird shit happened to I'd him. I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> the dark Marvel. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Go, just go for the fatty bits. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Of which I guess there are plenty. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. So, well, more of an exercise. I want to talk through where do you draw the line mm. in terms of cannibalism? Yeah. So, um, a lot of things when I was when I was researching cannibalism came up about this autophagy. Mm. Uh, so, first, think about how constantly we are eating the dead skin from inside of our mouths and Ooh. our tongues that's shedding off. Oh, we so that's are. That's not something I we even think about. I try about. not to think about that, generally Right? Speaking. We don't really think about it, yeah. and we wouldn't say we're all like cannibals for doing it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Ugh, weird. Ugh. So that's one thing. Mm. That's kind of like at the the lowest end of the yeah. spectrum to yeah. me. Yeah, that's, right? that's fairly it's benign. constant, and you don't really have a choice. <laughs> right. But then, uh. then maybe like one baby step up, people who bite their nails. Uh. It's gross to me. Yeah. Um, but uh. apparently it's like, okay, people do it alone. Or what if you like cut your finger and like put your yeah. finger in your mouth? Mm -hmm. So there are things like that. Or is if you're a woman who chooses to eat your placenta, mm -hmm. are you a cannibal? 
Yeah, and that's kind of become this, like, fairly acceptable trend. Yeah. I don't think I personally would, but I know for some people they have sort of like a I heard a story about a guy who ate someone else's placenta. He went and, like, ate someone else's placenta. Yeah, and so that's where I draw the line on yeah. eating placentas because I get that for some women. Maybe <laughs> there's <quote>. this. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I draw the line on eating placentas. Yeah, because I think for some women there's, like, this spiritual yeah. or, like, this healing yeah. value to it, which is fine. I don't know if I would feel that, but... That's fine for some people. But then, like, I saw, I heard about a guy who would, who's just kind of selling his wife's placenta for someone who's interested. And I saw another guy who, and I don't know if this is true or not. This was a video, though. And he claimed that in this sort of, like, hospital cooler box that he had in his kitchen was his wife's placenta. And he was like, oh, unfortunately, my wife and child are still in the hospital. But it gives me a chance to cook this up. And he, like, fries it up and makes it into, like, a bolognese sauce. And... I just, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That crossed the line for me. There's no reason for some creepy guy to need to eat a placenta. So did you find anything where people sought to define, really pinpoint where standard inadvertent eating of parts of ourselves leaves off and cannibalism begins? Um, no, I didn't find that. I feel like it's kind of a personal choice and (laughs) clearly we all have different (laughs) thresholds for it. Uh, you know, like kids eat boogers and scabs and those are kind of parts of us. Kids don't eat scabs. Please don't tell me that. No, kids eat scabs. No. I remember. Did you eat scabs? No. Were you a scab eater? I'm so squeamish. No, I never did. You were a scab eater. Yeah, there was one kid in my third grade class who kind of had a booger wall going behind one of the little bookshelves in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. And he he was also a scab picker and licker, too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I just feel gross. Right. So cannibal, though? Probably not. Still wouldn't be called cannibal. Would just be like, oh, that's a kid. Uh, well, since we've talked about so many ways you can eat a person, uh, something kind of lighthearted and fun that I found was... <laughs> like the last time you found something lighthearted where they ate a guy's foot? <laughs> yes, but even more so. This is by the director of the Next Nature Network, and it's a cookbook called The In Vitro Meat Cookbook. Um, so it's not actually a cookbook, but that's what it's called, and it contains recipes quotation marks for over 40 dishes uh, none of which you can actually meet like they all come make they all come from lab meat and so he just kind of is pushing the boundaries of things and exploring funny ideas like the dodo the extinct flightless Ah. bird in australia having like dodo nuggets instead of chicken nuggets and then um, using another example is lab-grown human meat to create celebrity cubes wow yeah so he that's he poses this idea of like maybe kind of like ritually consuming each other, huh. sort of like how we've heard about it being done historically. But in this case, it would be taking celebrities and kind of consuming their fame Ooh. and the things you value in them. Or maybe at like a wedding as sort of a guest or, ap- or appetizer or gift no. with your guests that you have little cubes made of each other, like the bride and groom. That hmm That goes back to that question of what's the line between cannibalism and not cannibalism. That- yeah, it's weird. But he's not promoting human consumption, but it's just interesting to think that this is all lab-made yeah. meat. So it's all within the realm of possibility, but the barriers just aren't technical or medical. It's more social and yeah. cultural barriers that are keeping us from getting to that strange point. Which have... I think that just kind of brings that big circle of history around again. I mean, in a lot of instances, it's a social and cultural barrier, mm-hmm. not necessarily. Although, as you mentioned, there's definitely health and scientific reasons, evidence-based health reasons to not eat people. Yeah. But definitely 
some social and cultural barriers still. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Um, wow. That's really weird. <laughs> huh. Me well, cues. we should have that person listen to our podcast and he can learn more about what would happen if you ate dead people. Yeah. Are dead. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's take a quick break. Okay. And then we'll come back guns blazing to talk about what would happen if we ate dead are dead. Okay. Bye. Bye. Every night in America, people make something for dinner. But some of us make something much more. Red Apron delivers a weekly body bag of fresh human body parts and inspiring recipes straight to your door. Mmm, mom would be proud. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't be eating her. <laughs> With Red Apron, any night is the chance to see who cooking can do. Welcome back, folks. So, what if we ate our dead? Ugh. <laughs> well, we talked a little bit already about what some of the biological implications were. Obviously, there are very serious setbacks to eating your dead, like Swiss cheese brain. So I don't think we necessarily need to cover that. Yeah. But one of my major questions was, who would we eat if we ate our dead? If it mm. were a cultural norm for us to eat our own dead, what would that look like? What'd you decide? Well, I went one of two ways, a few different ways, and I was kind of throwing them back and forth. Would we eat the rich and famous? Kind of back to the point that we just ended on. I mean, would it be kind of a fun way to, like, take in the spirit or, like, eat a little bit of their fame? I mean, would it be eat the rich and powerful as kind of that medicinal ritualistic approach? Or would we eat, you know, it's not that far of a logical extension to, to look at seeing socially disenfranchised who are marginalized and ignored by the rich and powerful anyway to them becoming a food source and that we raise people the way that we raise cattle. And so would we eat? Like poor people and marginalized peoples. Hmm, that's pretty dark. Yes. Um, I guess the distinction there is eating people for in a ritualistic way right. versus nutrition, right. which I think is the reason people would eat people they look down yeah. upon, like poor people. Um, yeah. I think where I landed on that is we'd probably really just eat <laughs> like our people who died naturally. And then to me, it's who would get to eat us? Would it be like a responsibility of a family? Would it be part of the, the grieving process? Like the family gets to eat the person who's dead? Or would we sell a person's meat? In, I mean, or would people be commercially viable? Would we have grocery stores where we'd have human meat that you could just buy in the store the way you buy beef or cows? Hmm. Beef and beef, they're the same thing. Beef or pork or chicken. Well, on that point, I did a little bit of research and saw that it wouldn't be commercially viable for very long at least. Mm. Uh, so like you mentioned earlier, pigs and cows and deer all have a lot more meat mm -hmm. on them, a lot more calories than mm -hmm. we do as people. And a lot more protein. 
Yeah, and we grow a lot slower than those animals, especially the ones we've domesticated, to get fat really quickly. So we're not really that valuable nutritionally. Um, so the average <laughs> human goodness. body, I think numbers differ, but I saw like around 60,000 calories in the average human. Oh, I saw way less than that. <laughs> well, anyway, so if we, let's say 60,000 as, a, as yeah. the optimal, but it could be way less. And the average human needs what, like two to three thousand, give or take some, yeah, yeah. a day. Um, so even if we were only getting ten percent of our diet from human meat, the average person would only provide of them from themselves like two hundred days worth of food mm -hmm. for someone to eat. Um, wow. Yeah. So if we were all eating like ten percent of our diet from a human we would need a little bit less than two people per year to eat a little bit less than two people per year. So our population would decrease super mm. fast. Huh. Yeah. So new, eating people as nutrition, as a source of nutrition, I didn't find that as a logical yeah. pathway in thinking right. about consuming people. Why well, kind of went down a similar route, but a slightly different approach. So a question I asked is if we ate our people, if we ate are dead, would it actually have an impact on food security? Would it be a viable way of reducing hunger and kind of minimizing our, our environmental impact and our environmental footprint associated with our food system? And so I think I landed at the same answers you did that no, in part because we don't provide enough, but I did a little bit of a different train of thinking is if we looked at, cause I, I don't think we'd eat sick people. I don't think we eat sick animals. We don't eat you don't want to eat anything that has been sick. So I think if we ate our dead, people who died naturally rather than going out and killing people to eat them, that would mean we would only be able to eat people who died with non-illness related. Yeah. So, so like dying of old age. Or even I didn't like, do you want to eat an old person? Or someone who got like in a car yeah, accident Yeah, so I just looked at accidents. So in the yeah. 2017 census of the 2.7 million deaths in 2016, only 161,000 of those were from accidental deaths. Hmm. So everything else was an, a disease-related death. No. No <laughs> disease-related. Um, and so I saw in one study that the average body yields about 60% of edible meat. And so I did some, I went back and did like some ninth grade math. I was so impressed with myself in terms <laughs> of like X equals Y and 2X equals Y. So if you take... And I did the ratio of breakdown of men to women. And essentially, if you take all of that 161,000 people who died of accidents, that produces about 30 million pounds of meat, of human meat, in a year. Into a population in the U.S. of 3.23 million, no, 323 million in 2016, that's six pounds of edible meat per capita in the U.S. Mm -hmm. if we ate dead associated with accidents. Well, in 2016, w people ate, on average, 193 pounds oh of God. meat per capita. <laughs> That's so, like, so much yeah, meat. <laughs> right? So six pounds out of 193 pounds of meat. Yeah. You're Thanksgiving really or Christmas, at, it's for the holidays. Yeah, you're really looking at a crazy minimal impact in terms of our overall meat consumption. Or you need a very big import market because I'm mm. guessing rates of accidents are much higher in some yeah. other developing yeah. countries. But I don't know. That's, ugh. I mean, again, coming back to that idea of like, would it be commercially viable to import meat? I mean, given like meat 
beef and cat and pork and chicken are so much provide so much more protein, so many more calories are much less expensive. And there's a lot less ethical considerations typically taken into account when you mm. raise these kinds of animals that there's no way eating people would be e- even sort of economically viable as a, as an alternate source of meat. Not- yeah, I agree. I agree. One thought I had on that eating people who die by accidents um, would we need an eat me icon next to the organ donor heart on yeah, our licenses? Cause totally. what about consent? Um, huh. yeah. So that was one thought. Yeah. I think I was, I was starting to wonder like, how would funerals be different? I mean, instead of like an open casket viewing, would it be, you had a feast where it was a funeral tradition to cook and eat the dead person and you invite your family and friends and loved ones to eat them. Yeah. Funeral homes became funeral restaurants. (laughs) That could be interesting. Um, yeah, I actually read about a group that they typically ate. There was a cannibalistic group that typically ate any other food with their hands, but when they were eating their dead, they had this special fork. So maybe also the funeral Mm. industry would have like special cutlery and fine china, that would also Ooh, be associated with yeah. this. Yeah, and then instead of saving like your loved one's ashes in an urn, you'd save the plate on of which you ate them. Ooh, <laughs> weird. Yeah. I also thought it'd be funny that it might be a standard component of wills to have how you'd like to be eaten. Mm-hmm. So I want to know that if you died and had to be eaten, how would you like to be prepared? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Barbecue. I thought you would say that. <laughs> Freaking love the taste of barbecue, mm. vegetarian or not. I'll put that sauce on anything. Mm. Yeah. What about you? I don't know. Maybe like a like a shepherd's pie mm, kind of deal, that. or like a roast. No, I'd want them to roast my entire body like they do a pig at a luau, and, and have me a pig picking. Yeah, have me like in my full form, like just like glistening. <laughs> glistening like browned flesh but like you can still see every detail of my face mm, but with the apple, apple in my mouth yeah. <laughs> yeah that's definitely what i'd want nice everyone can come and pick off little pieces of me throughout yeah um but also in your last will and testament what if you also needed to designate who got to eat what part yeah. of you so what part would you give me Oh, my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. My thigh. Because you said you'd want my thigh. (laughs) Or what if in your will you said that somebody had to eat you? And like to honor that, to honor the memory, you had no choice but to eat somebody who requested that you eat them, even though you didn't necessarily want to. Hmm. That would be sad. Can wills be used (laughs) to coerce people into doing things they don't want to do? I, I don't think that. I don't think so. Probably not. There's yeah. probably some escape. escape Maybe in a cannibalistic world. Yeah. I think if, for me, that question I came back to is, we, I completely blanket assumption that we wouldn't eat our sick. And if we come back to the numbers where 161,000 people die from accident or illness, and those, let's say those are the, not illness, accident-related deaths, which incidentally the ratio of men to women who die from accidents is two to one, are we surprised? <laughs> no. Anyway... That's not a lot. And like out of what, like three, what did I say? 323 million. million? Yeah. Some crazy, hold on. I want to find the exact number. Out of 2.7 million people who died in the U S in 2016, 161,000 is a teeny tiny fraction. If we take that out of the cemetery stream, because those are the people we eat, 
we still have a cemetery problem. I don't think that solves the problem that we're running out of space and that the cemetery industry is a huge bad thing for the environment. So I think eating our dead wouldn't actually have that much of an impact on the mm. cemetery industry. Unfortunately, because well, unless like, we're oh, eating our sick people right. and everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I don't know that we would. I mean, knowing as much as we do about the risk of disease, like bloodborne illnesses and viruses and certain bacteria being transferred if you eat humans and having that be such a heightened risk when it's your same species, I really don't think that people would get to the point where we eat our sick. Yeah, I agree. Because like, even look at swine flu, like when swine flu happened, they had to kill... Or like mad cow disease, they killed herds, like millions of these animals just because they were sick. I certainly don't know that we take the same risk with people. Yeah, it would be a field day for the FDA (laughs) if we decided to add that to the list of food products we had. Oh, man. How would you regulate that? That's a really good point. Like, how would you regulate human flesh consumption if that's the thing that we ate? I have no idea because I don't really know how it's regulated already. Well, actually... This is interesting. Did you read that eating people technically isn't illegal? Yeah, it's that's not right. actually a crime to eat dead people or mm-hmm. to eat people. So, yeah, they that's usually get them on other, other charges. So it definitely wouldn't be any legal problems if we ate our own dead. Yeah. Hmm. Really creepy. I uh, <laughs> I gave myself the willies with this <laughs> with this episode. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I thought it'd be funny to think like, would there be cookbooks? You know or eating your dead, like the one you mentioned, would that actually be a serious thing where you'd have different preparations for people? Yeah. Yeah. Just all the ways that you could cook and eat people. Yeah. And it can go very, like, very spiritual, Mm. like the whole composting our people, kind of this, like, nice way to find closure with the death of a loved one too. you know, like celebrity meat cubes or, like, (laughs) freezer meals or... Like a Chipotle restaurant for body bits. Could be charity. Like, (laughs) how much will you pay to eat Christina Aguilera's heart (laughs) and like auction it off for some? I could. I would totally auction off my body for charity. No, not that way. But like my dead body (laughs) to be eaten for charity. Parts of my dead body. (laughs) Sure. Also, that. Let's be real. (laughs) Depends on who's buying. Uh, desperate. <laughs> well, that wraps up our wonder. Well done, Mother Chorizo. Well done, Amelia Eatheart. Cannibalism. <laughs> 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 Just a disclaimer, folks. We're not experts in cannibalism. We don't have direct experience with it. We did a couple days of research, so... Just definitely make sure you take this all with a grain of salt. A big takeaway <laughs> and a dash is of pepper. <laughs> use your imagination. Oh God! <laughs> Save me. <laughs> Fries up nice and some oil. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, today we'll leave you with an excerpt from Gloria A. Anzaldúa's poem, and it is: "Heart and liver taste best. Cannibalism is blessed." Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Many thanks to our producer, Sir Loin, and to the Spiced Girls for providing this week's music. See you next time (laughs) (laughs) on The Wonder Women. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm improving it's my good. acting skills. It's true. We're going to go to Broadway. Broadway, baby. Here I come. <laughs>
Broadway, baby. <laughs> it's the Wilma. Give my shots to Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now loud, aggressive, over the top eating noises. If I can make it there, I'll make it anywhere. <laughs> So you, New York. (laughs) We have to keep this part. It's good. (laughs) Start spreading the news. (laughs) Uh, Yes, best supporting character goes to Wilma McCormick. (laughs) Thank you all. This one's for you, Ruben. <laughs> uh, <coughs> okay. Oh, God. Wilma okay. McCormick. Oh, now we get to make eating Hey everyone, love the Wonder Women? Can't get enough of us? Want 24-7 content all day long? Well, we can't promise you that. But you can still follow the Wonder Women on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook using our handle at WonderWomenCast for more fun tidbits, insights to our weird wonders, and information to satisfy your curious minds. And hey, if you like the show, do us a favor. Step one, download our episodes. Step two, listen and review. Step three, share with your friends, family, coworkers, neighbors, strangers, enemies, everyone. Just not any chance. But seriously, we crave your validation. We sure do. Plus, it's the best way to stay on top of fresh new Wonder Woman content. So follow, share, and talk to us at Wonder Woman Cast. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks, and keep wondering. Bye. Bye.